This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, everybody. Welcome into another Pipeline podcast. Tim McMaster here along with Jonathan Mayo of MLB Pipeline. Lots to get to. Spring training is underway. Um, I was down in Florida last week. We'll talk a little bit about that. Jonathan, you're off to Arizona. I think tomorrow we'll get into that, what you're looking forward to. We already have some unfortunate injuries from spring training, and all the top 30 lists are out on MLB Pipeline, so we'll get into that a little bit as well because it comes with the top 10 organizational rankings on MLB Pipeline. Let's start with the injury news. Hate to start on a downer. But a couple of big ones. Jake Berger, obviously first-round pick of the Chicago White Sox last spring in the draft. And Brent Honeywell, maybe the bigger one for uh, 2018 as far as that goes. Of course, the Rays' starting pitching prospect was expected to, at some point this season, be a part of that rotation. Instead, he's undergone Tommy John surgery, will miss the entire season. Jonathan, let's start with Honeywell. Um, Obviously, the Rays probably weren't going to contend this year, but Honeywell was going to be one of the exciting reasons to head to Tropicana Field, and now they don't have that either. Yeah, I mean, this is a guy that, uh, I mean, I know we've talked uh, numerous occasions uh, about him and how, uh, you know, I thought he could have and maybe should have gotten the call up last year uh, at the end of the year, uh, especially uh, as he pitched down the stretch. Um, you know, futures game MVP uh, last year. Uh, first time a pitcher's ever gotten that, and and definitely came in the spring this year thinking, all right, well, if I don't make the rotation on opening day, it's more a numbers game or a service time game, and you know, show what you can do, show that you're confident and you're ready for uh, for that call whenever it comes. And yeah, it was going to come sooner rather than later. And if they were going to compete, uh, you know, I think he's one of their best five starters when he's healthy, but. Now he's got to hit the reset button, and you know, the, there's the usual lines that we could say about the uh, track record of coming back from Tommy John surgery. You know, is still very good. He's still very young. He doesn't turn 23 until the end of March, uh, so you know he'll be plenty young enough a year from now to to do this all over again. Um, keeping in mind that if a typical recovery rate is 12 to 14 months. In terms of really being back to where you are, then you're probably talking about mid-season 2019 uh, before you see him taking, you know, looking like himself as a starter in the big leagues. And I got a chance to talk to him down in Port Charlotte before the injury, a couple of days before, and he had just kind of gone through the little. Uh, I guess social media back and forth with Chris Archer, which the two of them were both joking about, and they said they have kind of a competitive uh, just rivalry going, and it was fun to talk to him about that. And, and he just came across as a guy that was super confident 
and had no doubts that he was going to be successful. So for a couple of days later for him to suffer the injury was definitely uh, tough for a guy that obviously was heading into the season with super high expectations. Then the other one is Berger. Um, obviously, Berger's still a little further away, but an Achilles injury is a killer just because it's a long recovery time. Now, he's not... I guess one thing that benefits him is Berger not exactly known as a burner or a super athlete, um, but still the Achilles injuries take a long time and and it's just a lot of question marks. But he, you would think, will miss this entire year and but hopefully be ready to go by spring training next year. Yeah, I think the the one thing you worry about with that kind of injury is recurrence. Um, so I'll have to make sure that he does whatever is needed to to try to make sure you know, that he's in the kind of shape where you don't have, you know, sort of a lagging problem uh, with it uh, once, he, once he does come back. And, yes, running is not a part of his game. So that's not going to hold him back, uh, you know. And even in terms of, like, if, oh, you know, we had a, a slight conversation about whether or not we should adjust the, you know, the, the top 10 third base rankings or move them at all in the, in the White Sox top 30. It, you know, even with the good track record of Tommy John surgery, it's still an elbow injury to a pitcher. So there's a, there's a little bit more of that question mark. Berger's going to come back, and I think there's confidence he's going to hit. Now, for a guy that you think will be able to play third, but maybe ends up at first, does this necessitate the move to first faster? I mean, we'll have to see what happens once he comes back. And then, of course, it's just a year of professional reps that he, you know, is going to miss that first full season is – is so valuable just in terms of knowing what it takes to prepare to play every day over the course of a long professional season. And he won't have that for another year uh, and won't face any live pitching for a long time and, and things of that nature. So there will be some catch up for sure uh, for him, but he's such a good pure hitter with power that I think that's going to play, you know, even if it takes him a little while to shake the rest off. So two big injuries. Um, I mentioned that I was down in Florida last week. I was at the race camp. I hit Yankees, Braves, and Orioles. Nobody had anything bad to say about Jonathan May or Jim Callist in Orlando Phew. with the Braves. I escaped unscathed. Uh, I got to speak to Austin Riley a little bit and Mike Soroka. Uh, cool thing going on down there. As far as Riley goes, unfortunately, I spoke to him early in the morning before getting to see him out on the practice fields in the afternoon. Uh, but Chipper Jones is down there, um, or was down there when we were down there, um, and just kind of hanging out with Austin Riley as they did infield the whole time. It was kind of cool to see that and Riley getting to pick Chipper's brain. Uh, and Soroka was cool because, you know, you think of these pitchers all coming up together through the Brave system. And you like to think that they all get along and they're friendly, even though you know that there's some competition there, too, because the fact is there's there's too many prospects to fit five starting rotation spots right. eventually. Uh, but Soroka kept saying we when I asked him about himself instead of himself. He, he as, as a group, we this, we that. That's the Canadian and, thing, I think. Yeah, and he said he considers his these guys his best friends that he's coming up with. So that was kind of refreshing to hear. Because that's what, as a fan, I think you like to think is that these guys are all best friends coming up through the minors, and and Mike Soroka thinks that too. So that's pretty cool. And he's a friend of the podcast. So, yeah, exactly. Um, and and I better. thanked him. I thanked him for coming on the podcast, Good. and he actually remembered it. So how about that? How about that? Uh, um, Justice Sheffield is a favorite of yours, I believe, right, Jonathan? Yes, you want to talk about someone who uh, does not lack confidence? Yeah, and he was he was great too. He was saying that. You know, the injury last year, 
what annoyed him the most is he felt like he was pitching the best he ever had when it happened. Um, but he also felt like the AFL kind of let him get past it, and and that was huge for him. And he does seem confident. And the, the cool thing about the way the Yankees do photo day, for anybody who's never experienced a photo day or heard about it, it's when the players pretty much come out in a line one at a time um, over the course of a couple of hours and get their pictures taken, and they get stopped by, and, and they have to talk to me at the end of the line. Um, but most teams, you see all the youngsters, the non-roster invites, the prospects come out, Early in the morning, 7 a.m., they're out there just dealing with it. And then the stars and the starters and the big leaguers all come out later, um, almost kind of a pecking order. If not by how good you are, it's at least by how much time you've had in the big leagues. Mm -hmm. But the Yankees mix it up, and they have, like, you know, first group comes out, and uh, you'll see a starting pitcher along with some prospects. And Sheffield came out one of the last groups along with Stanton. And it was kind of funny to see uh, Mike Stanton strolling out of the locker room, and there's Justice Sheffield. And we were thinking, I wonder if he's ever going to come along, and, and, and Justice did. So that was kind of neat the way the Yankees do that. Um, and then as far as the Orioles go, uh, Austin Hayes was the happiest guy I saw in my entire week, Jonathan. I mean, asked him about last year and the whirlwind of it, and he just big grin on his face, doesn't feel any pressure as far as this year, even though I would think there's a lot on him because the Orioles kind of need him to to be something this year. But just it was almost like I can't believe what's happened to me in the last year, and he just had a big grin from year to year. Yeah, I believe that. I think, you know, if if he can just sort of bottle the – you know, he didn't have time. We talked to him at the Rookie Career Development Program. He didn't, he didn't even have time to catch his breath last year. And, you know, sometimes you're better off not sort of recognizing what's going on in your surroundings. And if he can just sort of go out and keep doing what he did, you know, he – I think last year probably proved to himself and others that he that he can do it. So now he now he just has to go out and kind of keep on keeping on and and try not to worry about where he is and who he's doing it for. He basically said that he just had to get to the ballpark every day, regardless of whether or not he had new teammates at a new level, and just do the same thing. And it yep. seemed to work for him. So now he's doing that uh, at big league spring training. So cool stuff from, from my trips. Before we get to Jonathan's upcoming travel, we want to take a second to tell you about Yahoo Fantasy Baseball. Spring training is rolling, which means it's time to think fantasy baseball. Yahoo has the best experience in the game, and you don't have to take our word for it because the Fantasy Sports Trade Association has rated Yahoo Fantasy Baseball number one five years in a row. If you want the stats and analysis to run your team like a big league GM, or you want to draft, trade, and manage your team right from your phone, download the Yahoo Fantasy app today and create or join a league. It's so easy, it's ridiculous. Download the app or sign up at yahoo.com backslash fantasy baseball. Yahoo Fantasy Baseball, the official fantasy game of Major League Baseball. Now you're heading to the Cactus League, um, and we can give this away. We'll get to the top 30s in a minute, but... But uh, MLB Pipeline has the Padres as the number one organization, which should surprise nobody. And that's where you're going to start your travels. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it worked, uh, worked out that way uh, just by, by chance. And I am very much looking forward to going and checking some of those guys out. And, um, if all goes well, we'll talk to Mackenzie Gore. Um, what I kind of realized is a guy who has been talked about often, especially on this podcast, um, but in, you know, in prospect circles in general, but not talked to all that often. I've not seen that much with him or on him. 
I think he's, I think he's just, you know, quiet or he's just getting started out. So uh, one of the best things about spring training for us is, you know, that our main responsibility is kind of go to the backfields, not worry what's going on in the main stadium or, or in big league camp even. And, uh, and talking to guys, both sort of elite level prospects like the McKenzie Gores of the world, but, you know, even some guys, uh, who are a little bit lower down, but are, are nonetheless uh, interesting. I think I've got top ten guys for every organization that I'm, I'm tentatively slating to, to talk to. So, um, looking forward to a bunch of really good conversations. So, Padres will obviously be stocked, and then you go to Seattle. How about that? You got Mariners and Rangers after that to start your journey. Um, obviously, less prospects at those two camps, but is is somebody really stick out that you're excited to talk to? Well, you know the. The Mariners, Mariners are tough. Um, you know, <laughs> Jerry Depoto, he likes to trade guys. So. Well, you could have an entire plan right now, and by the time you get there, they that's, could all be traded. That's trading. right. That's why I'm not going to say out loud anybody that I want to talk to, just in the off chance that uh, that they get traded. Um, you, you know, I am hoping to catch up with Evan White, the first-round pick from, from last year. He's sort of this interesting, uh, unusual profile in that he's – uh, a gold glove caliber defensive first baseman with plus speed. Um, I, I don't know that you can think of anybody that's ever fit that description before. So, uh, you know, coming off of a, a really good career at Kentucky, played for the U.S. national team. So looking forward to, to talking to him and, and, uh, and, and catching up uh, with their farm director, Andy McKay. Uh, and that's always interesting. He's, he's got sort of a, different background okay he's got a background in psychology and he's brought a lot of that to the table just in terms of preparing guys mentally i don't know if they now have a prepare yourself to get traded course <laughs> um but we'll see and you know the rangers too you know the rangers are are not as stocked as they as they once were you know and they, they, they used to be a sort of top flight system but i mean there's there's some talent there uh you know and and uh hopefully i'll talk to uh hans kraus who we remember from from the nhsi and and you know i remember from seeing him in other times showcase circuit um was certainly a fun guy to watch pitch and play uh and i'm looking forward to sort of catching up with him how he's adjusting to life as a professional you won't see Rangers prospect Russell Wilson because they traded him to the Yankees, which was kind of cool seeing him hit homers along with uh, Stanton and Judge this week. But um, so he's no longer in that Rangers organization. I love how you're calling him a prospect. <laughs> uh, one time uh, guy. I thought it was cool. Uh, actually, Jim Duquette, our MLB.com friend, Jim Duquette, um, tried to sign him out of high school or uh, with the Orioles. Sure. And, um Got to catch up with him. It was actually a Yankees camp, so that was kind of cool this week as well. So you start in Arizona, um, but you hit both, right? You hit over to Florida at some point? Yeah, I, uh, closer to the end of the month, I, I've got the Red Sox, Twins, Orioles, Pirates, and Rays uh, at the very end of the, of the month before I catch up with you in North Carolina for the National High School Invitational. And where we will see the next Hans Kraus, or so to speak. All right, so the top 30s are out for every team, so make sure you get to MLB Pipeline and check those out. Um, the top 100, obviously, has been out for a while, but now you can go team by team. Um, and we're going to compare this year's top 10 organizations, which have been released throughout the last couple of days, uh, with 2017 and see how that kind of shakes out. So this is the new top 10, Jonathan. The Padres, number one. 
Braves number two, White Sox three, Rays four, Phillies five, Yankees six, A's seven, Reds eight, Blue Jays nine, Dodgers ten. Um, a lot of the same teams, obviously, but some changes as well. Uh, the Braves dropped from one to two. The Yankees were number two last year, and they drop uh, a little bit as well, mostly because they've traded a few guys, but they've also had guys graduate. Uh, the White Sox stay right there at number three. Um, I guess the big jumper is the Rays. They were number 10 last year. They move up to number four, and I was joking a little earlier today. What if they had actually gotten more in return for Jake Odorizzi? How high could they have could they have gone? But um, what stands out to you with that raised system right now that that has it seems like it was slowly building, but in the last year they've really taken a jump. Yeah, I think some of it is just um, guys taking steps forward. Obviously, the Honeywell injury sort of hurts momentarily, but doesn't really impact their their status. Uh, I, I think uh, you know Adamus is ready to contribute. Uh, Bowers took a, a nice step forward. Jesus Sanchez made a huge leap up. Uh, so when, I think when you get a guy who you know wasn't ranked and now is you know in the top 60 overall and kind of the kind of guy that we're all watching to see if he, he becomes the next sort of superstar in waiting. They added Christian Arroyo. Um, you know, and it's deep. Uh, you know, there's sort of interesting guys up and down the system. Obviously, when you can add a guy like Brendan McKay in the draft, you pick that high, it's going to help your standing as well. So the Rays, I think, is cool because they've actually been able to continue to somewhat contend over the last few years and built that system up to that point where they're ranked number four. You look at the other teams in the top five, Padres, Braves, White Sox, Phillies, who have clearly been on full rebuild mode for a couple of years. So it makes sense that they're ranked that high, whereas the Rays um, have been able to continue to field a pretty competitive team and build up that system. So that's kind of neat. The Yankees six. Um, and then I, there's two kind of groupings here. I feel like for what the A's and Reds, the, the amount of rebuilding they've been doing, do you feel like maybe they should be higher up this list at this point, considering the players they've traded away and, and where they've drafted the last few years? See, I think the A's are kind of on the cusp of being a, a greater organization in terms yeah. of this ranking, uh, just because of the, some of the upside that they have. Um, one of the things, it's sort of like if you look at, uh, say, the Sonny Gray trade, yeah, I'll say Jorge Mateo. He's a top 100 guy, but you have Dustin Fowler who was out a year, and you have James Caprillion who's out, right? So there, there's a lot of unknowns that if those guys come back and are close to what they were before they got hurt, then I think they're making a huge jump forward. Um, I'm a huge Jesus Lazardo fan from from the A's uh, system, and, and well, now from the A's system, and uh, it was with the Nationals and. I think he's going to continue to move up among left-handed pitching prospects. They already have A.J. Puck, who might impact the big leagues this year. So, I, And then they've got young guys like Austin Beck and, and, uh, and you know, Lazarito, uh, you know, who could take big steps forward. But the, there's huge question marks there, a lot of projection, uh, a lot of dreaming on tools and things like that. So I, I think there is the possibility that they move up. Cincinnati is kind of just plugged along. They've – They've kind of been in this top 10, but closer to the bottom half of the top 10 for a while. Um, the one thing that I think stands out for them now is that the very top of their list 
has a chance to be really special. I mean, Nick Senzel is a top 10 prospect, and I don't know if you saw, but Jim Callis, when he did uh, his segment from Reds camp, uh, and I agree with this completely, I mean, the guy was the number two overall pick in the draft, and I think he's been better than expected. Wow. I don't know how that is, but he's more athletic. Uh, all the offensive tools are playing right away. I think there's more more to tap into. He's athletic enough that they're having him play shortstop in big league camp. Uh, so I think uh, you know he's got a chance to be an all-star caliber player. Uh, and then behind him, you had a guy like Hunter Green, who who knows you know uh, what's going to happen with him. But it's still 100 miles an hour without any effort, uh, and he, he may have the highest upside of any right-handed pitching prospect in all of baseball. And then Taylor Trammell, uh, who is one of my favorite guys, really toolsy, better feel for the game than people thought he would have because he was a two-sport guy. Uh, all three of them are in their top, are in the top 50 overall, and that's as good of a top three uh, as you're going to find in, in a, almost any other organization. Uh, so uh, it's not quite as deep as some of the top teams. Uh, I think that's why they end up sort of in the bottom half of the top 10. But this is the first time that I feel that they have three elite level impact caliber players at the top of their list. One last thought on this list. When you look at the last two teams, Blue Jays at number nine, new to the top 10 from last year and Dodgers have just been a staple. I think, um, we it was out on Twitter from MLB Pipeline today. They're the only team that's always been in the top ten since this began for Pipeline uh, three and a half years ago or three years ago. Right. Uh, so the Dodgers have done it despite being a perennial division champ. Obviously, they've spent a lot of money internationally, and they've been able to keep that system and that pipeline trucking. The Blue Jays, though, I feel like just a couple of years ago, we thought of that system as really barren and not a lot going on. And suddenly they jump into the top 10 while being a team that, that's put itself in the postseason. That always impresses me when teams are able to have the good system and be contending at the major league level. Well, I mean, that's in an ideal world, that's what you're able to do. You know, you look at the Yankees, uh, who kind of competed last year ahead of schedule, and you look at the Dodgers. Uh, the Yankees uh, tanked for two weeks. You don't remember that? That's how they did this. They, I'm just kidding. Wait, what? Um... <laughs> But, you know, they have the ability to spend money, um, you know, although that's greatly limited now with, you know, international bonus pool rules as they are. And you can only spend so much in the draft before uh, incurring penalties. Uh, but, you know, the, the, they're then able to keep the players that they want to keep. So if they have a strong farm system, uh, that's great. And then they can sign them and keep them for however long they want. And that's kind of how teams that have the ability to have a high payroll can have continued success. Now you have to be able to keep drafting. Well, especially if you're competing, you're not drafting as high and you look at like the Dodgers and they get, uh, you know, Corey Seager and, uh, and Cody Bellinger, either one of them were like top 10 first round picks and they're back to back unanimous rookies of the year. So, uh, you know, that's a tip of the cap to their amateur scouting. And then the Blue Jays, yeah, they, they kind of traded everybody off um, to, to kind of make a run. Everyone knows about the R.A. Dickey deal with the, with the Mets that brought the Mets, Noah Syndergaard and Travis Darnell. But uh, they've been able to just kind of reboot and 
much of it has to do with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. You know, being the maybe the best pure hitting prospect in baseball. Their one-two of Guerrero and Bo Bichette is pretty special with Anthony Alford right behind them. And that's just the guys in the top 100. Uh, you know, they had a, extra picks this last draft. I think that helped them build that out in terms of depth. Uh, T.J. Zoik, who was their 2016 first-rounder, missed a bunch of the year but was really good in the fall league. So that's fresh in everybody's mind. So uh, they may be more depth over total number of impact players, but their their two top impact players are among the best that there are in baseball. I mean, Vlad Jr. and Bo Bichette are, are in, in our top 15 overall. Anytime you start with that, uh, you're moving in the right direction. All right, great stuff. Well, Jonathan, enjoy the trip. Uh, safe travels to Arizona and then Florida, obviously. Everybody tune in to, I guess your reports will be on, uh, you'll be doing the 30 and 30 days on MLB Network, as well as MLB Pipeline and the write-ups there. Um, check out the stuff Jim Callis did while down uh, in the Cactus League as well. And we will kind of recap some of the camps you visited next time on the podcast. Um, and we'll get some of Jim's insights as well as spring training rolls along and the prospects have all arrived now as well. Uh, These are fun times because you're going to get to see these guys in spring training games as well. This has been the Pipeline Podcast. For Jonathan Mayo, I'm Tim McMaster. Tune in again next time.